Section 10 of The Lion's Brood. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Lion's Brood by Duffield Osborne. Section 10. Convalescence. The many weeks of hovering between life and death that followed these days were a dense blank to Sergius. First, there was his injury, more serious than he had imagined, and the fever that had followed it, complicated again by the malaria of the marshes through which he had journeyed in so vulnerable a plight. Then came other weeks of such lassitude that he had neither power nor desire to learn of the world to which he felt himself slowly returning, as did Aeneas from the realms of Pluto. There were times when he had been vaguely conscious of whisperings around his couch upon subjects that should have interested him and did not. Was it his fault, or had everything become commonplace and of no account? At last there came a time of convalescence. His haggard face frightened him when he looked at it in the bronze mirror, but the air of the winter was fresh and keen, bringing health and life to the mind, if not entirely to the body. So lying one day in the entrance hall and gazing out over the forum below, he turned to Agathocles, who sat close by. "'And now you shall tell me,' he began, "'of the things that have happened while I have lain here, helpless as a bag of corn in the granary, and of even less importance.' "'You mistake, my master,' replied the physician quickly. "'Surely you must know that your condition has been a matter of deep anxiety to many.' both within and without your walls. Within, perhaps, yes, said Sergius slowly. I treat them well, and such of them as do not get freedom by my will would doubtless find harder masters in Sabinus and Camarinus. My sister's husbands are patricians of the old school. As for without, am I not a man useless in times of action, well-nigh disgraced? Agathocles hastened to interrupt. Oh, my master! you do not know could you but see the crowd of clients who have gathered at your door each morning waiting for it to creak upon the pivots and later in the day such of your friends as were not away with the army ay he continued with a sharp glance at the invalid and a pretty female slave who has come at each nightfall and has questioned the doorkeeper a strong desire to hear of two things had come into sergius's mind while the physician was speaking he must learn about this female slave who had inquired so assiduously and he must hear of the army the war the republic for these last three were really but one after something of an effort and without a certain sentiment of self-approval he said let me hear of friends later my agathocles tell me now of the war there was a troubled expression in the physician's eyes but he answered volubly it progresses famously in spain my master oh aye famously their fleet has been swept from the seas and scipio slays and drives them as he wills doubtless by now they are all back in africa not of spain interrupted sergius as the narrator caught his breath tell me of italy of hannibal and fabius have the standards opposed each other they say hannibal is in winter quarters in geronium and the consuls watch him began Agathocles in more subdued tones. "'Tell me of Fabius. Tell me of what has happened. All do you hear?' cried Sergius, raising himself impatiently on one elbow. 
If your story seems to lack coherence and truth, I swear to you that I will go down into the forum at once and learn what I wish. Thus adjured, the physician answered, but with evident reluctance. Truly, my master, all things have not been as we might wish, and yet they could easily have run worse when your dictator let the invaders out of Campania. There was much complaint among the people that he was protracting the war for his own advantage. But when he came to Rome for the sacrifices and left Minucius in command with orders not to engage, and when the master of the horse, as some say, evading the orders, fought and gained an advantage, then you may believe me the city was in turmoil, nor were there wanting friends of Minucius, and emissaries from his camp to sound his praises as a general and decry the dictator and his policy, not to say his courage and his honesty. I warrant, said Sergius gloomily, that every pothouse politician from the Etruscan street was declaiming on how much better he could command than could Quintus Fabius. Until at last, went on Agathocles, Marcus Metilius, the tribune, a corrupt knave, broke in Sergius. Surely, yes, well, this Marcus Metilius made a speech, full of rank demagoguery, I warrant, surely and saying that it was intolerable for minucius who was the only man who could fight to be put under guard lest he beat the enemy intolerable that the territory of the allies should have been given up to ravage while the dictator protected his own farm with the legions of the republic and finally proposing as a most moderate measure that minucius the victor should be given equal command over the army with fabius the laggard unprecedented impudence murmured sergius and what said the dictator he did not trouble to go near the chromicia and even in the senate they did not like to hear his praises of hannibal and his troops or listen favorably when he spoke doubtfully concerning the magnitude of minucius's victory and claimed that even were it all true the master of the horse should be called to account for his insubordination so after he had lauded prudence and supported his own policy and after marcus atilius regulus was elected consul the dictator departed for the army in the night and left them to do as they pleased they passed the law asked sergius bitterly it hung in doubt for some time went on agathocles for though many favored few were disposed to advance such a measure until caius terentius varro who was praetor last year the butcher's son commented sergius you know my agathocles how demagogues and tyrants crushed out the life of your hellas we have yet to see the same ruin fall upon rome and from the same cause first an ungovernable rabble stirred up by the ignorant and vicious and then a king and then a foreign conqueror flaminius lost one army minucius will doubtless lose another while Miletus and Varro are well able to lose whatever may remain. Ah, why did you not let me finish my journey to Acheron? This is no city for men whose fathers were able to teach them about war and honor. He whose tongue is most ready to lie about the noble and the rich is counted on to wield the sword best against an enemy. Well, speak on, and what happened next? As you say, continued the physician, the measure was passed, 
but when minucius desired that he and the dictators should command on alternate days fabius would only consent to a division of the army gods exclaimed sergius two legions apiece that must have been rare sport for hannibal uh, truly yes but it resulted well for to shorten the tale the carthaginian trapped minucius through his rashness and was about to cut him to pieces when the dictator who had foreseen all this came up and saved what was left whereupon the master of the horse marched to the general's camp and saluting him as father and saviour surrendered his equal command after having directed his soldiers also to greet the others as patrons that at least was well done said sergius nodding worthy of a man better born than minucius i do him honour for learning from experience metilius or varro could not have done it and now continued Ecathocles, both the dictator and the master of the horse have given up their commands the time of their appointments expiring and the army is in winter quarters under the consuls servilius and attilius truly and the elections are falling due who sue for the consulship agathocles hesitated and placed his fingers upon the patient's pulse i have told you enough for the day who are the candidates reiterated sergius leaning forward impatiently they say that varro began agathocles but the tribune had sprung to his feet then as he swayed a moment from weakness leaning back against the couch he raised both hands and cried out have they gone mad the butcher's son the bearer of his father's wares to command against hannibal do you think the carthaginian a bullock to stand still and stupid while this soldier of the shambles swings an axe gods they will learn their error only we must pay the price together with a rabble that owe it gods was not the lesson of flaminius enough for these drinkers of vinegar water this will be great news for them in the megalia then seeming to gain strength from his excitement he strode up and down the atrium while the physician watched him anxiously but without venturing to interfere it was the doorkeeper's attendant that broke in upon the scene pausing for a moment in doubt as his eyes followed his master's rapid strides finally approaching agathocles he plucked him by the sleeve and whispered the woman desires to know the health of my lord before the physician could answer sergius had caught the words and wheeling about faced the boy what woman and where he asked the grey stole the slave woman who inquires of you she waits her answer at the door said the boy his tongue loosened by the question let her come to me commanded sergius and he threw himself down upon the deeply cushioned seat of a marble chair agathocles stood at his elbow with an expression of anxiety on his face and in a moment more the girl entered muffled almost to the eyes she glided forward and the voice that addressed him was soft and musical may the gods favour you my lord even as they have favoured me in permitting a sight of your improved health you have been here often began sergius and i wish to see you and bid you bear my thanks to her who sent you slowly the stole dropped from the eyes very pretty eyes that joined with an equally pretty mouth took on an expression of hurt astonishment that sent me she murmured half sadly 
Ah, uh, well, doubtless it is a matter of insolence for a poor slave-girl to wish and ask concerning the health of the noble Sergius. The tribune watched her closely and with mingled feelings. He had settled in his mind, from the moment of Agathocles' mention of the fact, that the slave-woman who called must have been sent by Marcia, and it was not without a pang of very poignant regret that he relinquished the idea that he could not place this girl one of a class so far beneath the notice of a roman of rank was not strange and yet the face seemed vaguely familiar to him and it was certainly little short of beautiful a man flouted or still worse ignored by a mistress at whose shrine he is worshipped might well be pardoned a feeling of satisfaction that his well-being was a matter of interest to at least one pretty woman meanwhile the girl stood before him her arms hanging by her sides her eyes modestly cast down and her whole attitude indicative of detected audacity and submissive despair agathocles had transferred his attention from his patient to the visitor and his scrutiny seemed to trouble her so it was yourself alone who desired to learn of my welfare said sergius with a faint smile believe me my girl no roman is too noble to value the interest of beauty like yours there was just the suspicion of a laugh in the downcast eyes but it sped away as swiftly as it came and she made haste to answer truly my lord does not measure his own worth there are many as much above me in beauty as they are in rank many who cannot venture to show the concern they doubtless feel what has a poor slave-girl to do with maidenly modesty the plaything of any master who chooses to smile upon her for a moment she spoke bitterly and sergius half frowning half smiling reached out his hand the contrast between this girl's frankly spoken interest and the courted marsh's trivial indifference came to him more powerfully what a fool a man was to waste himself on some haughty mistress who exacted all things and gave nothing she had taken the hand he held out and now suddenly he drew her to him and kissed her then he found new occasion to marvel over the strange ways of women as if awakened from a dream or a part in a comedy to some instant and frightful peril she wrenched herself from him and wrapping her cloak around her face turned and ran like a deer through the hallway and out into the street sergius was dazed for a moment by the suddenness of it all then he rose quick smirnas he called to the boy who attended on the porter follow and bring me word where she goes the delay had been short and smyrnas was swift of foot but when he reached the street it was empty as far as he could see and a dash to each corner of the house gave no better results inquiries likewise were unavailing and he returned slowly and with shoulders that already seemed to tingle under the expected rods meanwhile agathocles had essayed to exert his authority over the invalid and was protesting volubly against the latter's imprudence sergius was in excellent humor despite the escape of his conquest nonsense my agathocles he began half guiltily at first but gaining confidence as he persuaded his justification do you not see all this has done me more good than a score of days spent in dull reclining with only nauseous draughts to mark the hours by i have learned that i am a man again with an interest in the republic and myself surely such knowledge is worth a little risk to-morrow mark you if the gods favor me i shall descend into the forum and see if nothing is to be effected against this rabble in the matter of the elections 
Had she not magnificent eyes, Magothocles, not those of the dull ox, as your Homer puts it, but rather of the startled fawn? They seem to me more of the fox, said the physician dryly. Being golden in color and very cunning, I doubt you fathomed her smile, though wherefore she should seek sacrilege, Agathocles, cried Sergius gaily. But here comes Smyrnus. Well, boy, where is the lair of this fox of our good Agathocles? The terrified boy had thrown himself upon his face. I hastened with all speed, master, he protested. At your word I flew, but she was gone as if a god had snatched her up, nor was there a passer-by who had seen aught. Sergius was frowning ominously, then his face cleared. Doubtless that was it, Smyrnus, he said. Your judicious piety is quicker than your heels in saving your back. If a god took her, he showed excellent taste, and it would be utter sacrilege to punish you for failing to learn her whereabouts. Come, Agathocles, be not so gloomy. Do you think it is Esculapius who has come to your aid? He, at least, is no spruce young rival. Be conciliatory, or I may, perhaps, venture to try my fortune even against— I am rather of the opinion that some cunning Hermes has tricked Eros and Esculapius, and my lord Lucius as well, said the physician, an expression of grim humor lurked in his face, and Sergius felt strangely uncomfortable. What is a physician if he talk not in the language of oracles? He said querulously. Well, you may send me to my couch if you will, but mark you, tomorrow I go to the forum. End of section 10. Recording by Keith Salas.